having just sung the hymn of the United States Navy, hear now the story of an experience on the sea. We find it in the great 27th chapter of the book of the Acts of the Apostles. We begin to read at the 21st verse, Paul and those on shipboard have been sailing now for some time in a tremendous storm. And we pick up the story where all hope has been abandoned. And as they had been long without food, said the 21st verse, Paul then came forward among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and should not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. I now bid you, though, take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood by me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And lo, God has granted you all these who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have told you. But we shall have to run on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were drifting across the Sea of Adria, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they sounded and found twenty fathoms. A little further on, they sounded again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let out four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food. It will give you strength, since not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said this, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Amen and amen. I wish we had more time so we could read the entire 27th chapter because it's one of the great chapters of the Bible. It teaches us so much about life, especially how to remain calm during a storm. Paul didn't want to go, you know. Yeah, you get back in the first of the chapter and you'll find that Paul said no when they told him we were going to sail in such weather. 
See, Paul was one of those practical, practical preachers. He knew that if you didn't want to get burned, you don't play with matches. The best way to keep from drowning is not to try to swim in water over your head. He, though a very brave and courageous individual, did not always go where angels fear to tread. And when they told him of the plan, which was a risky one, he said, No! It's crazy! It's stupid! We're liable to lose not only ship, but lives. But the centurion listened more to the captain and the owners who were out for the profit. And Paul lost. And when he failed, they sailed, and he was with them. And it wasn't too far out of the harbor of Fair Havens when suddenly there came a tremendous storm. They called it a northeaster. Now, you sailors, and I know we have a lot of you out there, you know what a northeaster is. It's the worst kind of a storm they tell me you can face. It was horrible. For three days it came. The winds blew, the waves beat. The Mediterranean Sea was all over the deck of that ship. Sun, stars were not seen for days. They threw over all that the excess baggage would allow. They, they even took great big straps to try to tie the hull together. Storm continued. Storm continued. Fourteen days and fourteen nights. It rained. It stormed. The waves were great and the wind was strong. And then finally on the fourteenth night, about midnight, suddenly with that extra sense of perception, the sailors thought they were nearing land. They weren't quite sure. It was dark, you know. They were frightened, as anyone is frightened, to know that somebody or something is out there, but you can't make it out. They sounded the bottom. Twenty fathoms. They went a little bit further. They sounded again. Fifteen fathoms. Their, their hunch was confirmed. They were getting close to something, but they did not know what. They were in the midst of a storm, remember. Something was out there. They didn't know whether it would welcome them or wreck them. They didn't know if that thing would hurt them or help them. They didn't know whether they would be faced with a delirious experience of joy or confronted with death. What do you do in the midst of your storm when you know somebody or something is out there? You can't fight. What do you do when you feel disaster coming and you hope it is something else? What do you do to answer Kipling's comments of how to keep your own head when everybody else is losing theirs and blaming it on you? What do you do? Those sailors, I think, had a very good idea and a very practical advice for any of us who find ourselves in storms. They threw out four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. They threw out four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight.
That's a great recipe and formula as how to remain stable in the midst of the storms of life as we travel the seas of experience. See, most of us, we think all we have to do is pray. Just pray. The storms are coming. The winds are blowing. All adversity comes to us. We think prayer is enough. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I don't make the rules. I only preach them. That's not enough. Prayer does great things. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fond believer of prayer. Do it several times every day. But prayer alone will not give you the security of stability in the midst of a storm. It takes more than that. I suggest to you, you, you throw out four anchors and still pray for daylight. And Paul, I think, gives us some identity to give to those particular anchors. The first one, I recommend it to you when you're traveling in the storm. The first anchor to throw out, presence. The presence of God. See, oftentimes is the first anchor we throw out of our experience. We somehow think that whenever trouble comes knocking at the front door, God's gone out the back door. Oh, no. God is a ever-present help. Ever-present. Paul knew what we ought to know because we get it out of the same source, the Bible, is that God is everywhere. Paul said, this very night an angel of God stood beside me. That's the anchor you and I can have if we are willing to believe in the presence of God. But so often, in the midst of the storms, that's when we want to throw God overboard. Now, you can't do that unless you are willing to excuse him from your experience. Theologians like to say that God is omnipresent, omnipotent. That's a big way of saying God's right here, people. He's right here. But he's really not here, you see, until we practice his presence. Somebody could be outside listening to everything that we say and do. In a way, they're here with us. But until they come in or we invite them in, we really do not realize their presence. Through the great miracle of radio, several hundred people are listening within a hundred, hundred and twenty-five mile radius of the very things we're saying and doing right now. And to you of the radio congregation, let me just say a word. For three weeks now, we understand we've had a little trouble with transmission. I'm sorry it's not our fault. We've done everything in our power. But if I get my signals correct from the engineers and Mr. Bailey, who've been throwing them to me all morning up here, we are on today. We thank you for your patience, for calling the station, calling the church. They assure us that the problem which they said began with a fire in the Fulton building several weeks ago has now been corrected. We thank you for your participation, for listening. Send your letters and your money. We're always glad to have it. 
We're very grateful for this great ministry, but the point I'm trying to make is that hundreds of people, miles and miles away from here, traveling in automobile, they're present with us. But they are not until we are conscious and practice that knowledge of their presence. It's a great dimension to the ministry of this church to realize the people that are having effect in their lives because of the gospel being preached and sung and taught in this church. And may we never forget that. You see, this is the power that comes with presence. And if we are willing to admit and hang on to the support and find an anchor in the strength that no matter how hard the winds blow, no matter how much the boat rocks, we are in the presence of God. An angel of the Lord is standing by us. What more do we need? The scripture tells us that if we ascend into heaven, he is there. If we descend into hell, he is there. I shall never leave you nor forsake you. Even Jesus said, I am closer than hands and feet. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. What do we have to do to get that through our minds? Well, it's easy to believe on the bright days when the sh sun is shining brightly. But nobody's going to help you but yourself. When the storms are great, you can have that. You can have that belief if you'll cast that anchor, that anchor of presence, into the sea. Second, providence. Providence. As soon as I get to heaven, I have several things I want to do, but one of them is I want to go to Paul. And I want to ask him some of his beliefs. He confuses me at time to time in his theology. But I'm pretty sure, I know the answer now, that when I go to Paul and I say, Paul, when you found yourself in the midst of that storm, you know, you had done your best thinking, you had done the best in trying to persuade the people not to sail, but you went, forced to go, you ran into a storm. Tell me, Paul. Do you really believe that an angry God was shooting his ugly wind and spitting his rain at you in that storm? Pretty sure Paul's going to say, no, 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 no. No, that storm, that storm was not the direct result of God trying to punish me or somebody else. Paul didn't believe that. He believed, like the Bible says, that God does not repay us according to our iniquities. He doesn't make us pay for our sins. Jesus Christ did that for us if you believe it. Well, then I'll say, but yeah, Paul, how'd that storm come? Well, he said, God allowed it to happen. He didn't send it, but God allowed it. God has laws of the universe, laws of nature, you know, and sometimes those natural laws bring about things that we do not fully understand, but God did not send that to teach me or anybody else a lesson. Well, Paul, it, it came, though. It came... Ah, I know, Paul. Do you think maybe that it was the power of some personal personalization of evil? You know, maybe it was Satan, the devil, or the slander, or somebody like that, that a lot of people believe in. Maybe he's the one that sent that storm to you, Paul. 
garbage, Paul would say, garbage. We got in the midst of that storm not through some sinister force, but through the stupidity and selfishness of a captain who sailed when he shouldn't have sailed. That's why we got there. Don't give too much credit to the evil one. And that's the point I really want to make, ladies and gentlemen, because there are a lot of people, especially our young people today, that I'm a little concerned about. They have an interest in religion, and I'm very grateful for that, but some of them are being taught a theology that I don't really agree with. And it seems to me that what upsets me the most is that so much is being taught about the power of what they call the evil one, devil, Satan. I have a little trouble with him, you know. I really don't believe he exists. But they do. They're being taught that. And the thing that upsets me is that they know more about Satan than they do about God. <laughs> They're being trained how Satan works instead of realizing how God works. And to me, that borders a little bit on satanic worship. And that's bad. That's bad. Let's not give the power of evil, call him whatever you want, and he has different names. Don't give him more credit than he deserves. Because according to some of the best scholarship, he may not even exist. <laughs> but let's worship God and God's providence. And you do that, ladies and gentlemen, when you realize, as Leslie Weatherhead does in his book, The Will of God, and that's a book I recommend many times, and I recommend it to you again if you're having a hard time understanding why some of these things are happening to you, why, what causes them, read Leslie Weatherhead's The Will of God. But there the idea is some of these things happen to us not because God sends them, not because some evil force sends them, but God allows them. But ultimately he works for the good even in the worst storm of life. Now believe that. Paul did. He says it in Romans. God works for the good in all things, which includes storms. Throw out the anchor of providence and hang on. No matter what you're going through now, and I know some of you are going through some pretty deep water, hang on to that, that anchor. That though God did not cause it, He is allowing it. But He's working for the good through it. Now you hang on to the anchor of presence, God's here. And the anchor of God's providence, God is here working for the good. And you won't have too much trouble with the third anchor. The third anchor is patience. Wonderful, lovable patience, of which you all know I have so much of. No, I sure don't. I'm like that man who prays every day, Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. No. It took me a long time to realize that patience is not given through prayer. Some of you are wondering why you don't have more patience and you're praying for it and don't get it. Because you can't get it through prayer. Sorry, you get a lot of things through prayer, but not patience. Patience, according to Paul, took me a long time to figure this out, is a fruit. It's not a root. It's a fruit. It's never a seed. It is always something that comes as a byproduct of other things. Patience, ladies and gentlemen, depends upon presence and providence. 
It's when you believe that God is here working. That is when you begin to wait upon God's time schedule and let His time schedule become yours. And you wait patiently upon the Lord. Throw out that anchor. Patience. And the fourth one, practicality. Practicality. Very important anchor. Look at Paul. What's the first thing he did? <laughs> he ate lunch. Very practical thing. He knew he couldn't pray anymore. He knew he couldn't believe anymore in the providence of God or in the presence of God than he already believed. So he, he began to do something that really would make the difference. He became very practical. He said, man, for 14 days we, we haven't eaten. Tomorrow we don't know what's out there, but when light comes, the light that we're praying for, we are going to have to have strength. So let's get the strength. So right there in the midst of the rainstorm, the wind and the blowing, he said a prayer of thanksgiving, sat down and ate lunch. And notice the little verse of scripture. And the people were encouraged because of that act of practicality. You ever notice it? Get, get in a big storm. One person does a very wise, sensible, simple thing and suddenly everybody is lifted. It's contagious. Practicality. Look at the way he prayed. Notice. He did not pray for God to come and save them. No, no, he couldn't pray that because he believed in the anchor of, of God's presence. God already was there. He didn't ask God, notice in the prayer, he didn't ask God to stop the storm. No, he believed in the providence of God and he knew God was working for the good and God would stop that storm when he was ready. He didn't pray for the practical things. He knew how to do that. <laughs> but he prayed for light. Light. That's the only thing he didn't have. And he knew if God would give him light with his own mind that God had given him, he could figure it out. With his own hands, he could swim to shore. He prayed only for those things that God had not already given to him. Great lesson in prayer. Whatever storm you're in, folks, pray for light. But don't forget the anchors, presence, providence patience and practicality and I preach this sermon to you today because I say I know some of you are going through deep water and I feel as a nation as a nation we're in a tremendous need of stable people I try to be a historian and try to interpret what God is saying to the world now and folks this past week boy it said so much to us God was speaking so clearly, I think. And what I hear him saying is he's looking for some stable people. Yes, when you have legislators who do not lead and really are a laughing stock and don't know it, folks, we're in trouble. I'm going to miss Elvis. I kind of like the guy, really. You know, as I watched that, and what it was saying to me about America was not just a man who made a tremendous impression upon the young and the old. But I cannot help but feel today in Memphis and other parts of the world how many of those thousands who went to pay respects and paid large sums of money and made great sacrifice. I wonder how many of those who were there to really worship the king of rock and roll. How many of them today 
will be in houses of worship praising the King of Kings. And how many of them will think it's entirely too much to put $5 bill in the offering plate for the sake of the foundation of peace and joy? Because of the quickness of our news, do you realize what's happening to us? Many of us are going to be inundated more with words about the Son of Sam than we are about the Son of God. And folks, when that happens, we're in trouble. We need stable men, women, and young people. And I don't know how you find stability without anchors. Anchors of patience, providence, presence, and practicality as we pray for light. Amen. Father, thank you for this trip upon the sea. And whatever sea we find ourselves in today, Father, may we be found not wanting, but found to be stable sailors in the mission of our Lord. And now may the grace, mercy, and peace of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be and abide with you and give you stability now and forevermore. Amen.